0: One time. First uh, Corinthians chapter number 15. Go all the way down to chapter verse number 50 tonight. Verse number 50 as we looked at the second coming of Christ. And uh, I think the only way to really do it justice is to work your way to it uh, throughout the events that we know are going to take place. And we talked last week how every Christian has to believe in the second coming. In essence, there's no wiggle room there. If Jesus doesn't return, if Jesus doesn't come back, we're of most men miserable. And if Jesus doesn't return, our Bibles aren't true. And if Jesus doesn't return, he wasn't God. And So there's a lot resting on that. There's a lot uh, that is significant there. And how many are glad that he's coming back? Amen. How do you know, preacher, what he said he was? And we looked at that and that reality last week and I believe it, amen. And and somebody else down the road might not believe it and that's on them, but I believe it, amen, that Jesus is coming back uh, for the bride and for the church. And then he's going to set up that earthly kingdom. And we'll get there. And we'll work a little bit through the book of Revelation. And we'll look at the the tribulation and all that as well. Not in detail. We're not going to go uh, verse by verse. But just look at that as a whole and work our way to the second coming of Christ. But look at verse number 50 of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. If you're there, say amen. The Bible says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. But I show you a mystery. Well, preacher, what in the world is a mystery? When the Bible said what is a mystery, it is a truth or a knowledge that that at some point was veiled behind or in essence wasn't quite explained until this point. Here, Paul writing to the church at Corinth said, Hey, I'm gonna show you a mystery. I'm gonna show you something that up until this point God had not revealed or God had not made known. Not that it was it was a, a hidden secret that God didn't want known, but it was just a time for it to be revealed. He said, But hold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Now, right there, he's not talking about going to bed at night, amen? My prayer is that Lord give you a good rest tonight when you lay down, amen? But at the, he's talking about dying. We shall not all die. Do you know tonight that you and I could be in that very generation that doesn't see death? That in that, in that moment, that twinkling of an eye we're about to read about, we'll be changed. To never experience death, what an exciting thing. To think about. Now, you're saying that, preacher, because you're scared. Oh, I ain't scared to die. Now, I've got my preferences on how I want to go and how I would, I would you know, Lord, if you see fit, I'd like to go this way or that way. But the reality is no matter how I go, I know where I'm going. I'm not afraid of dying tonight. Let me ask you, are you? That's the truth of the gospel today is that when you have eternal life, you don't have to fear death. You can look right at it and say, I ain't scared of you. You take me today, that's fine. I know where I'm going. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall all not be, we shall all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall so sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on you know, It's not optional. It is not, well, it, only if you want to, then you have to. No, the Bible said corruptible must put on incorruption. And mortal must put on immortality. Why? Because the first two aren't allowed in heaven. In order for you and I to go to heaven, we have to put on incorruption. Corruption's not allowed in heaven. That's what makes it such a wonderful place because there is no corruption there. There is no death there. He goes to say, For so in this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, in this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is thy sting? O oh, grave, where is thy victory? Let me ask, you ever felt the sting of death? What do you mean by that, preacher? You ever been around death? You ever seen and known somebody that you loved dearly to die? Even though you know if they were saved by grace, you know where they are tonight, but the sting of death is a real thing that mm, you just, it takes getting used to because you can't make the phone call no more. You can't just hug them one more time. You can't have one more conversation on this side of eternity. The sting of death is a real thing. Oh, great, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us uh, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as we know that our labor, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you again, uh, Lord, for this evening. We thank you, Lord, for the wonderful time of testimony. God, what a blessing it is as a pastor God, just to hear your children, hear the, the flock of God just to give thanks to you. Lord, it reminds me and, and, and proves to me once again, God, you're still working and you're still moving and you're still helping and you're still answering prayers. And Lord, I know there were some that didn't uh, verbally testify, but Lord, it is evident, God, you're working in their life. And to that which I'm thankful, Lord, and I'm grateful for that, Lord. And I ask you tonight, as we get into this subject tonight, you give me clarity of thought, clarity of teaching, God, make it understandable, personable tonight. Make it, where God, where we can just take it home, live it, and, God, and, and, it, and to view it in the, the realm and through the scope of the Scriptures tonight, Lord, as you desire it to be. And I pray, Lord, tonight you hide me behind the cross of Calvary. God, would you in and myself fill me with the Spirit of God, and Lord, use me one more time for your glory to help your people and to help us this evening. Lord, we love you, we thank you. Pray for those that are sick tonight. Lord, not able to be here though they desire to be so. I pray, Lord, tonight you'd work in their hearts, God, and go wherever they are tonight, whatever they're facing, whatever they're going through. Lord, you just go and sit with them for a little bit, Lord. And God, would you make those visits as only as you can tonight. Lord, I'm thankful for the times of my life. Lord, when people physically couldn't help me with what I needed, but Lord, you showed up and you were willing to help. I'm grateful and thankful for that. And Lord, if you're willing to do that for someone like me, Lord, you're willing to do it for anybody. I ask you tonight, you'd work in our hearts tonight, Lord, we'll give you the glory, we'll give you the praise, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, and amen. Tonight as we we work our way towards the second coming or the earthly return of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to do and and look at the the next thing that is on God's timescale, the next thing that is on on the calendar of God, so to speak, and that is the rapture of the church. And a lot of times if you use that word, rapture, you're going to get some pushback. Right, because somebody's gonna say this and they're gonna, you know, they're gonna fix their glasses real good and they're gonna look at you and say, well, wouldn't you know or don't you know that the word rapture is not in the Bible? And guess what? It's not. The word rapture is not in your King James Bible. But there's a flaw with their statement. Why, preacher? Because the word Bible isn't in your Bible. And so if we're gonna play this game, then we're gonna to have to look and realize that the word Trinity is not in your Bible. What does that mean, preacher? Now, how many, how many believe the doctrine of the Trinity, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, three in one, right? We believe that, but you don't find the word Trinity in your Bible, yet you find the Trinity in your Bible. You find the Godhead in your Bible. You go to 1 John and read, there are three that bear record in heaven, God the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. They are there, three in one, And so if we're going to play that game, well, you can't use the word Bible, you can't use the word Trinity, nor can you use the word missions. Because it's not in your Bible. But how many believe that as a church and we give by faith into our faith promise missions program, it's a good thing to be involved in. How many believe that God blesses it and God uses it? Why? Because the principle is there. Now, just because the word that we use to describe it isn't in there doesn't mean we take it and throw it out. And so this evening, as we look at the rapture, right? The word rapture is not in our Bible, but it is a Latin word. It comes from the Latin word rapio or rapio, right? I'm not Latin. I don't know how to pronounce that. But it means to be caught up right? or to be caught up. Some people have called the rapture. They call it the great calling up. Some call it the great catching up. Some call it the great snatching away. Now, listen, I went to high school at Richmond County Public School. I went to Cross Creek High School. That word snatch carries a different, different connotation for me. What do you mean by that, preacher? Because I've seen enough fights in the lunchroom. I've seen enough weave snatched out of someone's hair. <laughs> it carries a different image for me. Right, but the reality is it's this great calling up. It's the the meeting of the saints in the air with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you can call it what you want tonight, but biblically we find it here. It is when Christ in the air sounds that trumpet and you and I that are saved by the grace of God, whether we are alive or dead, will be called up together with him. Now this is the next thing on God's timescale. So notice number one, we see the timing of the rapture. When is the rapture going to take place? Now Brother Kim prayed and he said that God give us an open mind. Let me ask you, how open is your mind tonight? What if I told you I had a date? And said at this time, in this hour, the Lord's going to return. You ought to say, preacher, I don't believe you. (laughs) Yeah, check up on me. Right, because the Bible said, no, man, take your Bibles and turn to Mark 13. Mark 13 uh, this evening. Scroll on down to verse 32. Here's the thing. I'm I'm going to read a verse to you, and you're going to find somebody. I mean, if you go out and search, I wouldn't encourage you to go. I wouldn't encourage you to go out and search these crazy people. But if you go down to verse number 32, the Bible says, But that day, in that hour, knoweth no man, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. And here's what they're going to say. I know what the Bible says. But. (laughs) In the moment they say but, hit the power button. Because they done lost their mind. They done got mixed up. They may be well-meaning, but they're still wrong. Just because you have good intentions doesn't mean that you're right. And so we see here tonight that no man knows the hour, not, not the angels, no man, not even the Son of God. And there's yet yeah, there's people out there that think that the Father is willing to give them some information that he's not willing to give to his son or to make his son privy to, even though he's willing to give his son all power in heaven and earth. <laughs> The timing of the rapture. No man knows the hour. The Bible goes to say, but take heed, watch and pray, verse 33, for you know not when the time is. Here's the thing, we don't know the express hour, we don't know the date. And I preacher, why wouldn't God give us the date? Well, because he watched you and I grow up. He knows how you and I Treated our moms and our dads when they left and said, Hey, when I get back, this house better be clean. Now, you might have been a good, good child. You might have been, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You might have been uh, not economic. You might have been, uh, you might have been diligent, right? You might have been, you know, that, that kid that, that whenever you just did it right away. I can say tonight I wasn't that kid. Mom, my mom would leave and say, Hey, when I get home, this needs to be done, this needs to be done, and this needs to be done. And so she would go behind her, lock the door. Man, it's crazy. And back back in our day, our parents would leave. Ten eleven-year-old kids at home, and we we thought it was normal. They'd leave and don't answer the door for strangers. Don't answer the door for anybody. Don't pick up the phone. Don't do any of that. And we didn't. <laughs> but she would say the the, the 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 living room needs to be vacuumed, the dishes need to be put up and the floor needs to be swept. And she would say, you know, it needs to be done before I got home. And and here's, here's how I planned it out. I'm gonna play video games, I'm gonna watch television, I'm gonna get me something to eat, and I'm gonna wait for that van to roll back up into the driveway. And the moment I see and I hear those tires come in, it's time to start cleaning. And I'd be in there, I mean, somehow I got 30 seconds from my mom coming into the driveway to get everything done. And she, she was on to us. She said, y'all ain't done nothing. Y'all, y'all ain't done anything I told you to do, right? Because I was waiting until, and the reality is, I think, you know, if the, if the Lord said, all right, a week from Tuesday, I'm coming back, majority of us would wait until Monday evening to get busy about what the Father was wanting us to do. So he said, well, preacher, why, why not tell us when he's coming? Because reality is we ought to live every day as if today could be the day because we don't know, right? We ought to get every day and say today could, we know that he is, we just don't know when. So take heed, verse 33, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants, into every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at evening or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. In essence, when he comes, he finds you doing what you're not supposed to be doing. Remember, this is almost identical to the command that he gave the disciples, and we talked about this morning. Pray lest you fall into temptation. What did you find them doing? Sleeping. So we see here this morning, we know the command that, when we know the instruction that he is coming, he is, he is, he is returning, he's gonna call us up into the air. We just don't know when. That doesn't mean we sit down and say, well, you know what, I'm gonna wait until he reveals it to me. No, we're gonna live every day like this could be the day. And I feel like preachers have preached that so long and for so, so often that most of the times it just falls on deaf ears. But what if it happened tonight? We would say, man, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I'd have been doing what God told me to do. I wish I'd have been faithful to him. Verse 37, he said, what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. When's the last time you watched? You got up and before you did anything else, said, Lord, this could be the day that you call us home to heaven. Lord, help me be faithful in what I'm doing. I don't know about you, tonight, but I, when he calls me home, when, 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 he, when he calls us up into the air, when the rapture takes place, I want to be found faithful doing what he told me to do. I remember being younger and thinking, man, it would be awesome to go while I was preaching. Just right in the middle of the service, rapture take place, be done. I don't know who's going to finish my sermon. I really don't care. I'll be gone. But I remember thinking, man, that would be awesome. And then I realized, if that were the case, man, I got to do a whole lot more preaching why? Because the odds are if I do more preaching, then there's a greater opportunity that's going to take place while I'm preaching. And so for that record, for that reason tonight, we're going to be here until about 12 o'clock. <laughs> I'm just picking with you. But notice the timing of the rapture. The command is to watch, to be looking with anticipation That this, that it could be today, that it could take place tonight. It could take place in the next five minutes. I don't know when it's going to take place, but I do know It's going to take place. Let me ask you, when it does take place, will you be ready? Will you be ready? Prepared for it? Having done what the Bible commands and teaches us to do concerning salvation. Is he coming back for you? So we see the timing of the rapture. Then notice number two, and I I titled this second point the tragedy of the rapture. And really it's a tragedy compared to what side you're on. Take your Bible, look at Luke chapter number 17. Luke chapter number 17. And you go down to verse number 33. The Bible said, Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in the night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other shall be left. How many are glad they did things a little bit different in the Bible days? <laughs> Amen. It'd take a whole lot for me to share a bed with a man. <laughs> but notice, they said, one shall be taken, the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be in the field. And one shall be taken, the other left. Some of you might say, well, preacher, look, there's a clue right there in verse. Number 34, it says in the night. So obviously the rapture is gonna take place in the night. Do you realize tonight it may be night here, <laughs> but it ain't night in Australia. So no matter where the rapture takes place, it is gonna take place at night somewhere. <laughs> Whenever it takes place, it'll take place at night. Somewhere. But we see here the tragedy. The Bible says there's two people who are close, who are in, who are in touching distance, right? They are, they are, they are, they are maybe relatives. They are working together. They are living together. And the Bible says in that moment, in the twinkle of an eye, one will be gone and one will be left behind. Now, it's not a random draw. Uh, we're not a Calvinist tonight saying, well, God's only gonna pick some of those. And pick, and not pick some of those, right? It is those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and those that are saved will be called up together with those who have died in Christ. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then we which are alive and remain will be called up together with them to be in the Lord, to be in the air with the Lord forever. And so we see that, we understand that tonight, but the Bible gives us this reality that when the rapture takes place, there's going to be a great deal of people missing. And it's not like, you know, we sing the song, I'll fly away. I remember being in somewhere and the church began to go like this. They were saying, I'll fly away. I have no problem with that, but the twinkle of an eye is real fast. (laughs) Your little arms can't flap that fast. But we see her tonight in that moment, the twinkle of an eye. We're talking, I mean, less than nanoseconds. Right when that trumpet sounds, when the Lord steps out into the air and calls us home, it's not going to be like this metamorphosis take place and we slowly like ease on up into the air into into heaven and with the Lord. No, in the moment of the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. At the same time we shall be changed, we shall be gone. Imagine the tragedy that's going to take place. Imagine the heartache. That's going to be a, a, a present with those that are left behind. Now, as believers, right, we take great ple- we don't pleasure, we take great joy, right, that we know we're headed there, but how many of us know that there's certain people in our life that if things don't change, and if God calls us home and God returns, or the Lord returns, we know they're going to wake up to devastation. Now, I firmly believe that the Antichrist and the powers that be in that sense are already plotting and forming a great hypothesis and a great explanation of where did all those crazy Christians go. Now, I don't have any Bible tonight to, to necessarily prove this to you, but it's, it's of interest tonight to think the Roman Catholic Church is already beginning to say, well, we believe there's aliens. Half the population go missing. The aliens finally got them. I'll tell you what, them folks down there at South Haven Baptist Church, there was a bunch of weirdos. Then aliens finally got them. I knew, I knew they were with wearing their tin, tin, tin foil hats and all that stuff. Uh, trust me, it's already, it's already in the works in that sense. But at some, it's going to be, for us, it's going to be wonderful. Right in that moment, we'll be changed. We'll be with the Lord forever. But also in that moment, somebody's going to come to the realization they missed out. They missed out. Knowing that they're fixing to face a great tribulation, that the presence of the Holy Spirit will be gone. They're going to face it all alone. So on our side, it's wonderful, and on the other side, it's tragic, but the reality is we know tonight that God is not willing that any should perish, that he would be able and more than willing to save to the uttermost, to anybody that comes to them. But just, just for your mind's sake tonight, just, just thinking about it, and imagine what's going to play out. Imagine what it's going to be like. Imagine that there's a saved heart surgeon performing a quadruple bypass, and the rapture takes place. Imagine the chaos. Imagine a saved pilot flying a 747 in the moment the rapture takes place. We see, we can see the chaos beginning to take place, and really that's just the beginning of what's about to take place on planet Earth. Imagine the homes, the loved ones. I mean, in the twinkle of an eye, we could be in the middle of a conversation. Somebody just be gone. It's crazy to think about. It, makes, it ought to make us say, you know what? I don't want anybody to experience that. I don't want anybody to go through that without me at least giving them a warning. Boy, I wish I could just grab people, open up their chest, pull out their heart, and give them salvation. But I can't. And neither can you. But we can tell them how they can be saved. And leave that decision up to them. And so we see tonight the tragedy of the rapture. For us, it's a wonderful thing. But those that don't know him, it's a very, very, very tragic thing. We see the timing of the rapture. We see the tragedy of the rapture. Then notice number three. We see the transformation of the rapture. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where we started at. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Go down to verse 51. Paul said, Behold, I show you a great, I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep, but we, all, but we shall all be changed. Then you go down to verse number 52, and we shall be changed. And so we see when the rapture takes place, when Christ comes back in the air and he calls up the dead in Christ first, and we which are alive and remain, when he calls us up, the rapture is, yes, it's in the twinkle of an eye, but there's a great transformation that takes place in that moment. In that time frame. Right? That word change is the Greek word alasso. It literally means to make different. To transform entirely. To to take us from one place into the next. To move us from one spot into the next. And we see right there that when the rapture takes place, there's a whole lot of changes that are going to take place too. Well, preacher, what's going to change? Well, we'll change from corruptible into incorruptible. Right, right now, the body that you and I have is corruptible. That's why right now, that's why there's a lot of blue because corruption has taken place in some people's immune system. Our bodies break down, right? How many of you know as you get older, things don't get easier? Matter of fact, the things that were easy now become hard. I don't know how in the world my shoelaces got so far down there. I don't know why in my bed when I when I get up, my body makes sounds that it ought not to make. I get to chuckling sometimes, and I probably not I probably shouldn't laugh at myself. But time I'll go down to bend something, bend down to pick something up, and my body makes involuntary sounds. Miss <laughs> be like, you all right? Yeah, just getting older. But we'll be changed from corruptible into incorruption. You'll no longer be in a body that breaks down. Our minds can't fathom that because that's how everybody is down here. No matter how hard we try, there was a a billionaire right now, he's trying his best to to change his genetic age. He's trying his best to go from, I think he's in his 40s, and he's trying his best through science to lower his genetic age. And the best he could get down to was in his mid-20s. Right, And that's what science says, but it won't be long. That body will corrupt. You'll be changed from corruptible into incorruptible. You'll be changed from mortal to immortal. In essence, you'll be changed with one who has an expiration date to one who no longer does. You say, well, preacher, incorruptible and immortal are kind of the same thing, aren't they? Well, you got to realize they, gotta, they have to go hand in hand. Right, because what joy would we have if we had a corruptible body, but we were immortal? We faced eternity with a body that would just keep breaking down. That's pretty discouraging. But what if we had an incorruptible body, but we were still mortal? Well, that means sooner or later, we're still going to die. No matter how good a shape our body was in. But when we change from corruptible to incorruptible and from mortal to immortal, now we have a perfect body and now we have are experiencing eternal life in a perfect setting. We will be changed from mortal to immortal. There will be no more death when we get to heaven. Well, I'll be looking forward to that day. Could, could I, can I say to you, I don't look forward to preaching funerals. In essence, that's not what gets me out of bed in the morning. I'm grateful and thankful for the opportunity that God gives me, and I'm thankful for how he uses it for his glory. But can I say, I don't get up and say, boy, I hope this week, I hope this week I get to preach five of them. Because it's such a hard time. It's such a, a, a serious, a weighty time. Because once again, I have to remind myself, very well, I could be the next one. And it could be my family grieving. It could be my friends that are grieving. But we'll change from mortal to immortal, from corruptible to incorruptible. In that moment, we will change our location. 1 Thessalonians four seventeen. We will meet him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so we realize tonight as we look at this transformation, as you at the moment when the Lord calls us right he he snatches us up he, he catches us up he raptures us out however you want to say tonight when that moment takes place there's going to be a great change that takes place and that fact we see in verse number 18 as we understand this as a believer the rapture doesn't ought not to scare us as children of god Right, because we have a promise that if we are saved by the grace of God, then we know that He's coming back for us in that, that instance tonight. We know that to be true. That ought not to scare us, it ought to motivate us. It ought to prepare us, it ought to almost to the point excite us. Right? Matter of fact, when Paul gets done explaining all this to the church at Corinth, look what he says down in verse number 58. He says, Therefore, anytime you see the word therefore in your Bible, you need to figure out what it's there for. Right? Therefore, my My beloved brethren, because of this mystery that I've revealed to you, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Paul was saying, brothers and sisters in Corinth, because you know the Lord is going to rapture you out of here, Prior to the tribulation, prior to to the greatest wrath and the greatest tribulation this world has ever known, can I? I, I, And I don't have time to get into it tonight. But I'm a firm believer in a pre-tribulation rapture. Why the Bible says we're not appointed to wrath. Matter of fact, I heard a man. Most people look up a tremendous preacher. I remember listening to him when I was in the cabinet shop. I, I would tune him in and listen to him, but Brother Agent Rogers is not a pre-tribulation preacher. And the only reason why I say that, I literally read an article from him. I was like, really? He said he believes in a post-tribulation rapture. And here's his reasoning for it. He said, because there's Christians nowadays that are going through tribulation. And can I say, I agree with that, the statement. There are Christians today that are going through difficult times. There are Christians today that are going through persecution. There are Christian days that are facing a, a tribulation in that sense, a a troubling time. But our Bible says the tribulation that is coming is like nothing man has ever seen. It's the great tribulation. The Bible said that Jesus has not, and God has not appointed it's just the wrath that God is not going to accidentally. Oh man, I forgot they were down there and poured out His wrath on us. No, His wrath was poured out on Christ on the cross of Calvary in those that believe that and accepted now get into heaven underneath the the heading of Christ tonight in order for that to be true he would have to pour his wrath out on Christ again the Bible said the truth should motivate us to live out verse number 58 oh I know he's coming back I know that he's returning for the church and I'm part of the church I'm saved by I know he's coming back for me and because of that tonight I'm going to be steadfast I'm gonna stick with the stuff. I'm not gonna back down. I'm not gonna give out. I'm not gonna look for another direction. I'm gonna be steadfast. And not only that, I'm gonna be unmovable. I'm gonna plant both my feet and dare Satan to do something about it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand upon the truth of God's Word. I'm gonna stand what is on, what is right, whether society agrees with it or not. I'm gonna be unmovable because one day he's coming back for me and I want to be found faithful. Unsteadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work, in the labor of the Lord tonight. Hang around a little bit. In a few weeks, you might hear that verse again. (laughs) Give you a little insight into the vision. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as we know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Well, could you imagine being in the middle of God's will, doing what God has commanded you and instructed you and called you to do just to be slapped in the middle of it and to hear the trumpet? (laughs) And in that moment, you'll say, I knew he was coming. I knew he was coming, and he found me right in the middle of what he told me to do. Well, that's how I want to meet him tonight. When he calls us home, I want to be able to meet him saying, I have done what you told me to do. We see tonight the rapture is the next thing on God's timetable. Oh, preacher, what are the signs? What are we looking for? We're looking for a blood moon? We're looking for a volcano to erupt in Iceland? What are we looking for, preacher? Oh, we're just waiting. We're not looking for a sign. We live in a day and age where more Christians are concerned in trying to figure out who the Antichrist is and looking for the Lord to return. We ought to get up tomorrow and look at the sky and say, all right, Lord, Today could be the day. Help me to be ready. Help me to be found doing what you called me to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this evening. And I pray, Lord, tonight.